0: You're Dave. (coughs) The reality is I've heard this passage preached from uh, in the last little while, a number of times. And so I feel like I've kind of been influenced a little bit by uh, guys like Tim Keller on this. And so my, usually when I preach, I usually work my way through the passage. And so I just wanna make a little warning here. We've been working our way through Acts. And I think that there's um, some principles here that we see in this that might be helpful for us as Christians to understand how we should live out what we're actually seeing. And so I'm um, just putting a little tagline there as we start. Can can I pray for us as we look at this? Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's so freely given to us. And I pray, Lord, that in as we look at it tonight, that you would be have your Holy Spirit working in our hearts, that we would understand clearly what you have to say to us. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge it's been for me as I've written this. And I pray, Lord, that as I speak, it might be clear and that it might be helpful. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Do you like gifts? I love gifts. And I don't know whether you've thought about this or not, but there's a number of different types of gifts, isn't there? You know, Father's Day is coming up. There's gifts that are just for the person. So, you know, Father's Day, jocks and socks, they're definitely just for that person. But there's other gifts that aren't just for the person. Uh, So, for example, if someone, you know, happened to give me the the best tickets to the best footy team, the Cowboys, two tickets, I would have to actually think about who was going to go with me to the Cowboys. And or, uh, you know, you might have a dinner, uh, a restaurant voucher for two people. And so when you receive that gift, you're thinking about who else that you're going to share that with. Um, and I'm sure that you can think of lots of them, concerts, uh, go-kart riding, lots of them. And in the last number of weeks, our youth group and our Bible study, we've been looking at uh, what grace is. And as we've gone through understanding more about different aspects of grace, what's well, been driven home all the time of what a great gift salvation is. But in that salvation, it's not just for me uh, that I'm forgiven, but I forgive that I'm gracious to other people but, and generous and so many aspects of that. Uh, all, I've also been listening to a bunch of talks by Tim Keller about sin and I've been convicted by sin. Uh, the more I get convicted about my sin, the more I understand how precious the gift is of what God has given me in that forgiveness. And it, makes me, it drives me to think, how could I not share this? It drives me to think this gift that God has given to us Uh, This of salvation and relationship with him is not one of those gifts that we as Christians often think it's just for our own little inside faith but it's to be shared. You see, when you truly understand the gospel and the great gift it is we we will realise that we should want to we should be sharing it. And, And it's not just for one or two for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes shall not perish, the world. And even at the start of, the, of Acts, verse 7, um, he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When I think about this, it absolutely blows my mind that not only do I receive this gift, but God wants me, me to share it. That's his plan, how the gospel gets out. He uses people like you and me to do that. And if I was to give this talk a title, it would probably be, The World Needs You. Now that sounds very selfish, but that's how God is spreading the gospel, through people like you and me. And here in Acts, as we've worked our way through to Acts 17, that is what's been playing out here. As we carry on from last week, we see more of the same, don't we? Paul and his companions uh, get to Thessalonica, they go to the synagogue, they share the gospel. Uh, Some people become Christians, some people don't, they stir up trouble. Uh, In the end, uh, Paul and Silas have to leave and they go to Berea. They get to Berea, what do they do? They go to the synagogue, they share the gospel. Guess what, some people become Christians Those Thessalonicans are are relentless. They come across, stir up more trouble, and Paul has to leave. Now, I'm not going to spend much time in the first part of this passage, but there are two things here that I think that we should hear, and it's it's throughout Acts. Two things we need to hear from these two little sections of Thessalonica and Berea, and they are this: one, the gospel is not a fairy tale. It can be explained. It stands up to scrutiny. Look at the words used at Thessalonica At uh, the end of verse 2 and verse 3, it says, He reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. And then we read uh, in, in Berea, he says, uh, it says, Now the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they would received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. Verse 12, as a result, many of them believed. See, sometimes as Christians, and sometimes as people who aren't Christians, they just think it's a big lot of fluff. It's not. And as Christians, we need to actually scrutinise the gospel and understand it so that when we share it and we're talked talk to about it, we're up for that scrutiny. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, can I encourage you, hook on in, don't be lazy, do not base your Christianity on some other Christian that has let you down. The gospel stands up to scrutiny, so do the work and scrutinise it. And what you'll find is that it's the truth. It's the truth. The second thing I want us to notice here in these two things is Just because it is the case that this is the capital T truth, even though we live in a world that we have lots of little T truths, the capital T truth doesn't mean that people will believe it. Strike, have you been on Facebook lately? It doesn't, but because people don't believe that it's the truth, that it stands up to scrutiny, does not mean that we should stop sharing it as Christians. Look at Paul and his companions. Come on, look at those guys. They are beaten up, knocked out. Paul's been kicked out twice out of two more towns here, and we've been here and kicked out all the way. And yet, in the wake of what they are doing, these fledgling churches are growing all around it. In fact, we sit here today because of what's gone on here. They didn't stop. Their determination for the truth to be shared, that gift that has been given to us to be shared, was incredible. I wonder if we're so determined that we're not just too scared or worried about how that person might reject us rather than worrying about the person who will accept it. It's an amazing gift. And so we pick up the story. We're in the great city of Athens. We are well and truly in Europe now. Ends of the earth, here we come. Athens is no longer the capital because Rome's there, but it is still the capital of culture, of music, of art, of philosophy. This is where Socrates and Plato, they they their wares about what they thought. It is a place where lots of thinking was going on, a very religious place. We could call it the capital, a big capital university where lots of thinking was going on. But it is a very secular place and a very pagan place. And as we go through this passage, I want us to feel The things that and see the things that are are here as Paul goes through this process because, as I said before, I'm kind of doing a little flyer, but I want to see point out some of the principles that are going on here. I want us to feel how Paul feels and why he feels that way. I want you to be able to see what Paul sees and why he sees that way, and I want you to see how he acts and he speaks to these people. In verse 16, uh, it says, Paul, while Paul was waiting them in Athens he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now I am definitely no historian okay but what I do know about uh, Athens is this, they were big on gods. Uh, They had 12 big gods, big ones and Zeus was the king of all the gods and they lived in Mount Olympus and every one of those gods including numbers of others they built temples. Spectacular architecture for these gods. and So each of these gods had their own temple. There were gods everywhere for everything. If you had a concern, you would go to uh, a, a god for different things. Right, if, you, if you had a flat tyre in your car, you probably could go to a god and get that sorted out in, in Athens at this time. In fact, there were, uh, history shows that there was a large famine that happened at Athens and a bunch of these guys sitting around thinking, go, hang on, have we got all the gods sorted out? And they actually erected temples to a number of unknown gods, which is what Paul talks about in the text here. In other words, there are idols everywhere. And when Paul arrives there, he's in Athens, for crying out loud. What do you think when you think of Athens? Athens. Put your feet up enjoy the sun wait for the guys to come (laughs) no not paul he's walking through the city and he is greatly distressed he feels what is going on there it aggravates him you see this word distressed here in english really doesn't say it how it probably should It doesn't explain the feeling. There's a churning inside Paul here. There's a feeling of anger that drives him to feel like disgust. How could people be treating the one and only God like this? There's lost souls everywhere. This is the devil's backyard playground. He's having a great time. Some of the other places that uh, this word distress... Just to get an idea of what I'm talking about here, is it's like when Moses comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and there is Aaron, he's built a golden calf. And he drops the tablet and said, Aaron, what have you done? When Elijah has those two elders, and the the prophets of Baal are dancing around the altar trying to get it to start on fire there, and all the people of Israel are thinking, Baal's the right guy, Elijah says, going, Why are you as a people so deluded that you would turn your back on the one true God? It's like when Jesus arrives into the temple and he sees money changers there and he literally cracks out the whip. How dare you turn my father's house into a den of robbers and thieves? It's aggravating. But the interesting thing about this is that it's not just driving driving this people to, uh, Paul, to anger, or this word's not meaning just driving it to anger, but it's anger in love. It's the word that is used in the Old Testament when God sees sees, um, his people sinning. The jealous God, jealous because he is completely right and wants best for his people holy, true, completely perfect. And he looks at his people and they're turning their back on him and it makes him angry. But he also, in that tension, loves them. We all know what that feels like. If, we will know what that feels like if you've been married, if you have children, if you even have friends. If your spouse uh, is, or your friend is doing something that is wrong to you, It makes you angry, and yet there's that sense that you love them and you want to sort this out. Have you ever felt that way? Look, if I'm honest with you, yes, there's been times that I've definitely felt like that. But when I think about Paul walking through Athens at this point, I want to tell you that most of the time, if I think about me walking through here, I would say I catch myself completely numb to everything that's going on around me. Because let's face it, our world is not much different to Athens. We may not have built idols out of gold and bronze and stone, but if we lift our eyes and look, there are idols everywhere, things that are pulling people away from God all of the time, from from the one true God, Capitalism's the answer. Let's make money. But without the one true God, it's just greed. So socialism must be the answer. We share it, but without God, it ends up in corruption. We live in a sexual society that will express it how I want to express it. But without God, the God who made us, we get it confused and we hurt ourselves in it. Equality. We need to get that sort. Of, That's sort the of thing we. Need. But without God, there will never be equality. And then we can have the other more numbing ones that probably we don't think much about: sport, healthy living. I'm doing a good job of that, aren't I? Uh, financial financial independence. You know, like that. There could be many, many more here. And we go to these idols, asking them for stuff, looking for stuff for ourselves that they can never give us when the one true God is there. And as we walk out this door and we walk around our town, we should be greatly distressed. Now, I'm not not saying all this because it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? Big deal. But as Christians, we often get caught out at this point thinking the wrong way. Because what we think often is that our faith is, is this internal thing that's inside of us, that, that um, it's my own personal faith. And so a religious person would think this of Christianity. It, it's like being in a room and there's, uh, there's 10 other people in the room. And you look across and you go, oh, I should probably mingle with them, but I, I don't have the energy, I don't have the desire. And then God touches us. And it wells up inside us, and gives us the strength to go and sh- talk to these people. That's if that's—I I won't be surprised if numbers are thinking that, but that's a good thing. But that's religion. That's religious Christianity. Real Christianity. What's going on here with Paul is much more like you're sitting in a room. You don't have a desire, you're not willing to do this, you don't know whether you've got the gifts and God come and touch, touches you and you lift your eyes and there's 80 people in the room. Six, I can't remember how many I said before, 10. So that's uh, uh, six, six, uh, 70 people have come, come there that you've never seen before. You see, as a Christian, it's not, you change inside, but everything changes. We only have to look at Paul and what happened in his life to realise that. It, It changes how you think, what you see, how you feel. It changes how you view your music, how you talk to your friends, your family, how you view your money, your work. It changes everything. You see, this is not about just giving us a little bit of strength to be able to deal with this. It's not just a pep talk or a five-step process on how to tell people about this. This cuts to the core of who we are. The Bible doesn't talk about five steps. It doesn't talk about pep talks. It talks about character. See, the thing about character is the way to build your character to be more like God is that you need to spend time with God. And the problem with that is Well, we all know that's not going to happen tomorrow, is it? It's not a quick fix. It's an ongoing thing. And the reason that Paul feels the way he feels is because his character, who he is, is being shaped by the character of God, who God is. And everything changes at that point. Not just the inside, but how we feel will be how God feels. What we see will be what God sees and how we act will be how God wants us to act. And so if you're sitting here tonight and going, well, I'm not really feeling anything. (laughs) If you want to feel what God feels, you need to be like Peter. You need to help, you have to spend time with God that your character will be conforming to be more like God's character. Now, the next thing we see in the passage here is that he doesn't only feel it, he sees it. Why do I say that? Well, if you look at this passage uh, opposed to the other ones, look at how Paul goes about this. Before this passage, and even in this passage too, uh, in Athens, but before this passage, he would go to the synagogues, he would talk to Jews there, he would uh, argue at the scriptures, and then some people would become Christians. But here, because uh, when he arrives and he's invited to talk to these, these uh, philosophers, he, he can't do that. They're lost, but they're lost in a different way. And he sees that and he understands it, and he understands it because he deals with it in a different way. You see, if you can't feel the injustice of how God is treating people, uh, sorry, how people are treating God, if you don't understand, you don't feel that, you won't be able to actually drive you to, remember, anger and love in that bound. It should drive you to being able to see what the problem is there, to see beneath the problem so that you might be able to act in an appropriate way towards them. You see, Paul, if Paul had treated these guys from Athens the same way as he treated the Jews from the synagogue previously, the outcome might have been very different here. But he didn't. He met these Greeks where they were at, and he reasoned them with them with stuff that they understood. Open your Bibles, 22. I'm going to read it again. And as I read it, can you feel the tension between unashamedly uncompromising truth of the gospel in balance with love for those people? Paul then stood up in the meeting. And said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. For as I walk around, I look carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with the inscription, to the unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the lord of heaven and earth and he does not live in temples built by human hands you see he's driving straight at what they're looking at things they made he is not a servant he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything rather himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man he has made all nations that they that they should inhabit the whole earth And he marked out their appointed time in history, the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, although he is not far from any of us. For in him we we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore... Since we are God's offspring, should we not think that the divine being is, should we not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill? In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but He now commands all people everywhere to repent, for He has set a day that He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When he heard about the resurrection of the dead, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, look what happens. Some of them sneered. But others, we want to hear you again on this subject. at that Paul left the council, and some people became followers of Paul and believed. Do you see it there? Do you see the tension that's going on there between straight talking, not compromising his faith, uh, the gospel, and that he loves them as he speaks to them? You know, this can only happen if we feel the distress and the injustice that God feels towards a holy God and yet that love towards his people. And we can only see those underlying needs uh, if we understand that and we can only act and speak right in the right way if we understand that. And if we get this mixed up, if we only have justice, God will when we speak about God it'll end up that we'll end up speaking in a harsh way. We probably already know this. There was a footy player that did this the other day. You're going to hell if you don't repent. Well that's true. That's the justice side of it. But it's not really very loving at that point, is it? To help those people to get there. But the other side of that is that we, we've, we have churches in our society in Australia right now that would say, have this sweetheart type of God. That we never speak the truth of the gospel without compromise because we're too busy telling them, oh, don't worry about, it, God loves you. Both of those things have to be working together. So, I hope this is helpful and these principles are here. They're not just here. We've been seeing as we go along. But there is no quick fix here. The reality is the more time we spend with God, the more our character will become like him. And the more your character becomes like him, I've said this before, haven't I? The more you will feel as God feels. And the more that you feel as God feels, the more that you will see what God wants you to see and the more that you see what God wants you to see you'll know how he wants you to act you see there's no excuses here as Christians we often make excuses but the perfect God is right there to have a relationship with that's what Jesus did on the cross we shouldn't make excuses and blame things of our past and the baggage we have we all have that In fact, in this room, I can really guarantee someone's having major baggage that we carry every day. But we can't leave that as an excuse not to change our character to be more like God. We can't blame our present with our busyness and the things that are on. It's God. And we can't blame the fear of the future because this God has that in his hands. There's no five-step plan There's no way that uh, you can just think, this is an easy way out, and I'll help, I'll know how to be bold, feel, act, see. You see, the path is not that easy, and you know why it's not easy? Because we have to open the Bible, and James talks about the Bible, God's Word, being like a mirror. And when we look into God's Word and we spend time hearing from God and praying to Him and meditating with Him, it's confronting. Because there's things in my life that I'm still trying to work out with God. And there'll be things in your life. But the more time we spend, the more we become like him. Let me finish. I know some of you will be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not Paul. There's no way I could have got up in that marketplace and actually did what he did. I couldn't preach like that but the reality is don't lose the principle in this. It's not about the preaching. You see, God has made you who you are. He's made you with all these gifts and abilities. He's made you in his image. And the more time you spend with him, the more you understand how you feel because he has made you in his image. And so you'll understand how he wants you to feel, who you are. He'll help you to understand what you need to see for who you are. And he will help you to understand how to act, to take all those gifts and abilities you have and use them. How he wants you to. Let me pray for us. Oh, dear Lord. I just pray that you would really help us to not be lazy in our relationship with you. Uh, The example that Paul sets here, uh, well, Paul has the confidence to say, follow me as I follow Christ, Lord. And for many of us here, that would be a tough thing to say, somebody else. But Lord, that is what we want to do. We want to be able to follow Christ and to, to be conforming, to be more and more like you. my oh, Heavenly Father, you have loved us through what you have done for us, the great gift you have given to us. <clears throat> Help us to understand that it's not a pep talk we need, Lord. It's that your Holy Spirit would be continuing to conform us to be more like you and that you would give us opportunities maybe different in so, in many ways but as Paul has had opportunities as we read about here in <coughs> Athens that we would see the, we would feel the need and we would see what to do and we would act on that oh, forgive us lord for being lazy being blinded and rushing off to idols within this world and I pray Lord that in all we do that as we leave this place and we get on with our week that you're always there with us you love having relationship with us you love it so much that you allowed your son to die for us and so Lord help us not to treat that lightly but to love you for it and to share it with as many people that you would allow us. For Jesus' sake, I'm in.